welcome to another episode of the Cruising Cloud Podcast. I'm Cruz. And I'm Cloud. And we are here. Uh, this is actually a very monumental episode for us as a collective. Um, Nick is literally sitting next to me for the first time ever. I don't think people realize how significant that is. We've been doing this show basically for two years. Two and a half. Two and a half years on opposite ends of the United States. Uh, I've been in North Carolina and he's been in California. So uh, today we are live uh, together and we also have another uh, guest here with us, um, a good friend of mine. I consider him basically the older brother that I've never had, um, Mr. Josh Hudson. Um, sir, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Should I tell them like how we met? Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. I'll let you do it because it's not gonna hit the same. We're coming from the person that, you know, all right, so Bryant and I met at Western Carolina University. I was the old dude in our dorm, uh, other than the uh, that prick that we had for a... RA. RA. Yes. God. Um, yeah, I was 25, and I show up, and I had the dorm to myself. The guy that I was supposed to be in there with didn't show up. So a whole week goes by, and I was like, hell yeah, I'm not going to have a roommate. I'm old. I don't need that. Next thing I know, I'm getting to go to bed. I get a knock on my door, and there's this magnificently chiseled African-American man without a shirt on. <clears throat> and I was like, hey, man, what's up? He goes, hey, I'm Brian. I'm your new roommate. And I go, oh, all right. <laughs> so I move all my crap. <laughs> and cussing the whole time. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a roommate. I don't know who this dude is. But then I saw your Batman keychain, and then the rest was history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to to kind of add on to that, the previous roommate that I had, this is my start of my sophomore year at Western. I had this this Jamaican guy. He was cool. Like he was, I can get along with him. He just did like really annoying roommatey type shit. He would be like cooking at like three o'clock in the morning. Like, bro, I'm fucking sleep. Like, I don't want to wake up out of my sleep and smell ramen noodles. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just let's be courteous here. I have a roommate now who he comes home at like two in the morning from work, gets super high, and makes like six bowls of oatmeal. Yeah, like does he eat them all? Yeah, but he makes, <laughs> but he doesn't make it like large. He makes the little bowls, and he's like, I want more. I want more. I'm like, make one fucking big bowl. It's three in the morning. All you keep hearing is the microwave go off. Yes, that's my he point wants here. To too, yeah. just like hit it at one. It's like. <laughs> so like I I was I was stressed out about that and I was like, dude, I can't do this, man. And I was already not there anyway because like all of my friends either lived off campus or they lived in dorms on the other side of campus. And so I was like, this is really kind of like a real drag right now, and. I just like I'm I'm off this, and so for me, I didn't really have a need to be there anymore with him. And like I said, we we weren't good enough as friends, and didn't have enough in common for us to sit there and still be roommates. So yeah, I put in the request, and at the time I was um I was dating I was dating this girl who lived close. So I was like I want to stay close by. Her dorm room was like right below mine, yeah. and so I said you know what whatever. So I go fill out the roommate request form, and they. They told me that there's a room like right down the hall. And so I literally open up my door and peek out my door and was like, I'm trying to like match it up. Like, who who is this? If I have I seen this person in passing? <laughs> and I come to find out it's Josh's room. And I was like, all right, whatever. And so it was cool to me because it was literally diagonal. It was like, what, yeah. 15 feet across the hall. Yeah. Um, if that. And yeah. so I moved in and I saw he had all these 
um, pristine ass Batman like figurines, action figures, and in like the nice cases and stuff. I think one of them was a uh, like the 1989 Batman um, figurine as well. And I was like, oh shit, this motherfucker's a Batman fan. All right, I can get along with him, or That's at the very least, I can tolerate him. <laughs> you know, and. Uh, we started talking, man, and it was. It, we realized that it wasn't even just a Batman thing. Like we just like comics in general. Um, we had a, a a lot of shared interests in music and stuff like that. And um, most people don't know. Uh, there are very few people that I know that love Kid Cudi as much as uh, you I do. Music, man. Yeah, I mean, man. <laughs> this <And> guy. Oh, <laughs> I could hear it before I even got to the door to enter the dorm. Because he, he was like, he would rock it out. Yeah, man. I had speakers. I had like full on speaker speakers. Yeah. Like a sub, like a small subwoofer. And so I was just jamming. And, um, but he was cool about it, man. Josh was super accommodating. And we got to know each other like even way past um, like superficial things and material things. And um, you saw me drunk and like fall off my bed. I did see him ladder. that. I swear, I've, I've definitely saw that. I definitely. I'll never forget this. And I can say this now because a lot of different reasons. But my sophomore year, I'll never forget this shit. I walked in with my girlfriend. And I had been gone all day. I hadn't seen my girlfriend all day. I walk in and this motherfucker has had a girl in our dorm room. And there are panties in the middle of this dorm room floor. <laughs> so you have to understand the situation here. Josh is no longer there. <laughs> he is not he is not in this room. I've not I've not seen my girlfriend for X amount of time. The first time I'm seeing her is like 10 o'clock at night. Walk in. I didn't know that this was in there. There is a pair of pink panties in the middle. Smack dab in the middle of the floor. I don't know how to explain this. <laughs> how do I explain this to you? <laughs> And, and it's just it was just funny, man. And Josh, he came in like shortly after, and he's like, "I am totally sorry," and he apologized, and it was good. But man, it's just some, we just had so many funny times, man. And like and, that one time, like your girlfriend at the time and her friend were in your room, yep, the bed. You yep, weren't there. Yep. I didn't know they were there. I walk out like almost completely naked because I gotta go to work, and I was like, "Oh, yeah," because they're sitting there talking. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> hey." <laughs> We we had some times, man. But like I said, Josh has Josh has become more than just a friend. He he's the older brother that I, that I have always 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 wanted. And so um, now this guy is a author. Um, he's always had a penchant for writing, and I can I can attest to that. And we we've bonded quite a bit over different writing. Um, just you know, just the art of it and. You know, things that we liked about movies and that's really kind of how it started is us talking about like screenplays and movies and, you know, how, you know, writing and how it shapes those experiences and things like that. And um, we have a... So we re- re- critiqued Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. We, we love Christopher <laughs> yeah, Nolan. That was, that, was, that was another thing that we really connected on was just our love for Christopher Nolan. I remember when you and I first went and uh, saw Interstellar. Yeah, opening weekend, me, you, and Will. Yeah, and uh, we were we all walked out of there. And we're like, holy fuck, man! <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what did I just, just see? Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, that was I think that was then when I really knew that you had a a very very unique understanding of writing, and because you, I mean, you explained some things and some decisions that he made in the movie that I was like, nah, yeah. I'm unsure about. But when you when you broke it down and 
it it made sense in the in the overall in the you know the overarching uh, narrative of the entire you know movie. So you've got this book coming out. Well, it's out now. Yeah, um, it came out uh, Thursday. Okay. 29th. Okay. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about it. All right. So it's called Dark Fever. It's by a guy named Jonah Severn. You know, I came up with that name uh, due to my career within the mental health field, trying to keep that separate. Um, so, and the book itself is about mental health. Uh, I got a lot of inspiration from a lot of the, uh, I'd say, terrible things that I saw clients of mine, because I used to work in foster care, and I did an internship at a hospital, and um, a lot of terrible things that, you know, some of these people, these clients of mine uh, had to go through. And of course, I, uh, I really like psychological thrillers and horror movies and things like that, because I think that's really cool, makes you think, that sort of thing. So, and um, it's kind of twisted it up. And finally, you know, sat down and started writing. I was working at DSS at the time. I, uh, I would write while I was at work because uh, <laughs> I was so in. I got so into it, and then I switched jobs, and that job allowed me to spend more time on the book because I'm a father of two, and writing at home wasn't really in the cards. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, good luck with that. Like I have an app, the Google Docs app, mm -hmm. on my phone, and. I would write here and there while, you know, trying to navigate being a dad, parent, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, once I got that job, I would say I started in May of 2019 and finished the book editing and everything by like the middle of October of that same year. It started out as this general idea of how there's really not a lot of emphasis on mental health, like especially in the, the media or even with, you know, government spending sort of things like that. Of course, until it's too late. So um, something bad's always got to happen for it to get to get yep. some sort of a uh, sort of Buzzfeed, as I guess you'd say in the media. Um, so I took that, that general idea and then just took all this stuff that I had seen and read and heard about, all this stuff, it, for me, it kind of felt like I was giving a voice to mental health in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely frustrating because, I mean, I haven't really written a book, like, before. I mean, I did. I'd say I did, like, 10 years ago. And I have that printed out yeah. just to, you know, let me know how terrible I was 10 years ago. Um, but I put a lot of time and effort into it. Um and just, it felt more, I guess you could say, from the heart. And now, <laughs> the more frustrating part is trying to come up with something for a second one. Because I'm like, I don't want to constantly do, like, all this stuff that, you know, like, I want to use my imagination and create worlds and stuff like that. Because this one was pretty pretty straightforward. Um, I mean, I got inspiration for the... Uh, the mental health facility that's in there from my hometown of Morganton, where the Broughton State Hospital is. Yep. Uh, that, place, there. that place still creeps me out. Man, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there's a joke with some people up 
in the mountains. Um, Nick, <laughs> um, there it really it really is a joke with some people in the mountains, and I I know me and Josh have referred to it crazy enough. This hospital that he's referring to, it's like Arkham. Like it, it gives you the yeah, man. Like yeah, that bad. Yeah. Well, it like so when I first moved up there, I started working at Lowe's Home Improvement up there, and everybody's like, "Oh, hey, you're the new guy. Where are you from? I'm from Morganton. Oh, you're from the crazy house." So I heard that so many times, yep. and I was like, "It's in the mountains, and you know, yeah. you already got the stigma of like." <clears throat> You know, mountain folks and... And me being the twisted person I am in, in my head, I was like, yeah, my mom gave birth to me in there. And they're like, what? And I go, yeah. Like, she was a patient. And I'm like, are you serious? And I would just be like, yeah, I am. And then I'd be like, no, I'm just kidding, man. I, they're like, why would you say that? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just, you know, get tired of like, oh, you're from the nut house, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, I, the book is out. Um... I've already had a few people start it. Uh, one of my mom's friends actually finished it in two days, so that's pretty awesome. And she's told me it's really good. And I've been nervous about it because I uh, I've had my own experiences, um, and I'm like, I hope no one thinks like this is all about me. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but like, I feel like yeah. is, is, that, is that not like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like I feel like a lot of the writers that I I read about you know, or read, they say their books, they're trying to figure something out about themselves and work it out with their stories. Like my favorite author, Chuck Palahniuk, Fight Club, you know, my favorite book of his is called uh, Lullaby. Um, if you haven't read it, please do. It's, it's gorgeous. Uh, but, you know, he's basically writing that to, I read this interview about it where he was writing, he wrote that to help him figure out whether or not he wanted to go for the death penalty for this guy who killed his father. And oh, wow. So his father was on death row? And no, no. His father was murdered by this guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he was sitting there saying, like, am I going to go out there and get him? And then is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he said that helped him, like, come to his decision and work through all the stuff that he felt, thought, and all that good stuff. And that, that always really stuck with me. And I was like, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um Hopefully I never come in that situation because that would suck. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like, I think for me, I was just the whole idea of getting more emphasis on mental health. Like Silver Linings Playbook is about mental health. Yes, it is. That's actually, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite movies, but I, I appreciate the messages and yeah. what it sought after to, what you know what it sought out to do yeah, yeah. for that you know what i'm saying it, as a movie it's not like super great yeah but the overall content in itself and again so much of what you know you working in mental health and you know both you and i both have got family members and yeah. we've been around that that whole gauntlet of yeah. um our our entire lives but so much of, of the, the 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 discussion is about just having a discussion about it. Yeah. Most people don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah mostly you know, the media romanticizes men mental health. Yep. Well, issues. that's my thing with mental, like the media. I feel like, and I, I did this paper. I don't know really. I can't remember how it was received uh, in school. <laughs> but the question was: Do you think mental or do you think the media has a positive or negative as or? impact on mental health and on the, like the discussion i would assume like on how people view it yeah, like a, yeah. Well, i was like i think it's you can't really say good or bad it's both yeah like for one it 
when they talk about it, it gets eyes on the whole situation. But also when they talk about it, you know, it, it, it becomes like a media circus, like who can put the best spin on it and get like the best story and the best ratings. And yep. like my, my, I remember my thing was a uh, Casey Anthony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like kid gets murdered and then they're like, let's turn this into a fucking lifetime movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's one, it's, it's super insensitive, but then two, yeah. it's like, what what if like what what are we sending to like the rest of America and kids who grow up in really shitty situations like that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why I hate all these. They're trying to make all these serial killer movies and shows. Like yeah, yeah. Like I get that happened, but try to create something that isn't just about one killer or one you know mentally ill person. Try to just make a discussion. Yeah. that makes people think about it. Yeah, and I think you, you and some shows do that, but it's it's very, very rare. rare. Yeah. yeah. And then you see it even to the point where every every like serial killer, uh, you know, um, breakdown or how they try to break down um, within a story, a movie, a TV show, whatever the case may be, it's always again, it's always a violent turn to it. It's yeah. never just like you know, like eternal, uh, you know, sunshine of the spotless mind. You know, yeah. you know, like it's never like that where it's like okay, yes, there is definitely mental illness is at the forefront of this entire thing. But like it, it doesn't always have to be violent because when you when you attach violence to it and then you sit there and say, yeah, we're going to talk about mental illness, but we got to have the violence. That's right. all people they 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 come they always attach the two and that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah, like, and it shouldn't be the case. Like, I mean, there's much more. I mean, not every person who's mentally ill is violent. Yeah, you know, and that's the point. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like, you can't get a good story if there's no violence. You can't. Yeah, that's not going to sell in a movie theater. Nobody wants to just talking. They like, yeah, yeah, when's like, the killing start? Like, no. Okay, like the the one with Richard Ramirez they did not too long ago, the Night Stalker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they were talking about, like, oh, man, he had so like all these women who thought he was just sex on a stick, and they were, like, showing him off, like, oh, he dressed so hot when he was in court, and I'm like, what does that got to do with anything? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's just, like, like even this, um, like, the, the mental health, the thing that I put in the book, it, to me, it was sort of like... I feel like society shapes people who have mental health. I mean, I remember getting into a debate with a, uh, I know sociology was your thing yeah. in school, but like this teacher who taught sociology at my community college and I was studying psychology and he's like, oh yeah, psychology majors look at this guy and they're like, oh, he was sad. And then I was like, well, what about like how society affects this person? Yep. Like, you know, society as a whole, you know, we're not that good. <laughs> like we're constantly like destroying each other in so many different ways yeah. and <clears throat> of course nobody wants to talk about that either yeah yeah I, so I would ask you this then and yeah. and I guess in relation to the story and the book you 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 know you wrote in, in itself how do you feel about the the idea of you know explaining circumstances and how circumstances affect this mental illness because I feel like that's a that is a significant aspect of the discussion that people don't they don't want to have when you talk about mental illness. Yes, you it's a chemical imbalance. Yeah. Yeah. But chemical imbalances are only like a third of the issue because you have triggers. Yeah. And so it can then shift that chemical balance to be even more imbalanced than it already is because yeah. stress 
you know, a lot of different things, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, things of that nature. And some of those, and you know, those things are outlets and means to an end for people who feel like that's all they have to rely on. Well, I mean, okay, growing up, you know, as men, yeah. we're told not to cry. Yeah, 100%. Or, or anything. 100%. And I mean, and you see all these, you know, like I, I saw kids who didn't know how to handle all the emotions that they had. Like they have gone through like all these terrible things and... You know, I mean, you know, they get on the path of drugs and alcohol because, you know, people like, oh, they're just trying to show out. But me, deep down, I'm like, like I don't know what that kid's feeling on the inside, really, because for one, they're not going to tell you because they're in survival mode because that's what they've had to do their entire life to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're like coping and they're trying to like get that high because they're like, oh, I feel good, you know. And then, of course, that adds to it. You're yeah. like, this is, instead of actually going and talking to somebody, because you get to the point where it's like, I'm going to tell this guy or this this therapist what they want to hear so I can get out of this. Because, I mean, there's, I mean, mental health services, to me, they're not, like, they're not really within reach. I mean... It's it's very it's very much not in, in a well. It, a, it feels like a lot of it is based on like ah, oh, you got insurance, we can help you. You can do five visits yeah. for like forty bucks, and then after that, it's like you know. And I'm like, and when we say like mental illnesses could be a part of your life for like the rest of your life, but I'm like, let's see you five times, yeah. and then you know you're back. You're yeah. on your own. Hopefully, one. yeah. Hopefully, you learn something that you can take <laughs> with you, and you just got to figure out the rest of them along the like, way. I feel like you got to see. I mean, I, I've been in therapy myself. Um, I was in therapy when you and I were roommates at uh, Western and yeah. Norms. And I mean, I feel like you don't really build a rapport, especially if you have trust issues. Um. Until you actually spent time with that person, yep. and that, that takes, especially if you only see them like an hour a week, that's yep. going to take several times, yeah. like more than five. Yep. And it's a, it's a, it's almost <laughs> a half a year process before yeah. you feel comfortable. I yeah. mean, I've been in therapy. Yeah. Back in therapy, I was in therapy when I was a young, young, young kid. Yeah. Um, and I didn't go back into full on therapy until about 2017, mm. and I've been in therapy since. Yeah. Same person. Yeah. But I didn't feel comfortable until almost damn near eight months into it. Yeah. And like you said, you see yeah. this person, you know, one, you know, an hour, 45 <clears throat> to an hour over the course two times. A month. A maybe. month. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. That would be like me walking out of my apartment right now, mm. going downstairs, going through somewhere in this apartment complex, knocking on someone's door, and I should sit down there and talking. I don't care that I, 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 I could yeah. very well have seen them multiple times walking their dog and stuff like that. Yeah. And we've said, hey, whatever, whatever. Doesn't mean I'm comfortable with you. And I'm not going to be comfortable with you. We can sit there and talk for two hours outside. Yeah. I'm not going to just magically just be like, all right, let me just. Yeah, when, <laughs> when I went to therapy, I, I went to therapy like uh, seven or eight times. And the reason I stopped is like you were saying, it's insurance stuff. I couldn't afford it anymore. Yeah. It was $100 each meeting. And it's like, this is getting expensive. Yeah. And like, it, it, I was, at the end, I was like slightly opening up more. It's like, if I had the opportunity to just go and not keep worry going, about yeah. money, yeah. I would have kept going. And so, like you were saying, yeah, that's an issue. Yeah. People do, when they do feel comfortable, they can't afford it. Yeah. 
So then all the progress that you've made yeah. in that short amount of time, out the window. Yep, Meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it didn't help because I studied psychology after that. So now I <laughs> yeah. just studied myself. Yeah. <laughs> you just like look in the mirror like, so this is me. <laughs> Reading a textbook like, this is me. <laughs> like, I've done that. I'm like, yeah. like so. Yeah. I identify here. I yeah, identify here. Like you were also with what you're saying, like writers, they also, when they write, they more discover themselves. Mm. With, well, with what I'm writing right now, it's like, I was like 20 pages deep. I'm like, I have issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause like it, it, yeah. al- it just alters from page to page. Yeah. And like I really started, like I've, I've written since I was in elementary school. Like I remember this friend of mine, uh, his name was Jason. Um, he and I had this thing, you know, we, he, we even sat across from each other. Cause of course in elementary school, we were like right there. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we wrote, man. We would write. We'd get done with our homework or our tests and break up pieces of paper and start writing. Um, and that really carried over um, into middle school. I, st- I didn't write stories. I wrote more of, like, I guess, poems or just, you know, song lyrics, anything, um, really. And, I mean, like I said, I was going through my own stuff at home, and that helped me kind of get that out because I mean of course like I said as men we're raised to not really say anything um <clears throat> so you know I uh that's how I got it out and then high school middle school high school is when you're really trying to figure yourself out yep. in a way and then of course when you get out of high school you're still trying to figure yourself out um yeah luckily like once I got out of high school I started reading I got back into comics and that really sparked my imagination and I was I really want to write, um, so I started. I would write little things here and there. Uh, just, of course, it was more of like it was more personal, trying to get it out, um, trying to take stuff, aspects <clears throat> of my own life, and twisting it into a narrative. But you know, it's like this: I can put this character in the situation that I'm in, and let my mind guide that character through the situation. And I'm like, well, you know. If I made that decision, it could have actually affect me in real life. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and of course, you know, I, I when I try to write, I try to write realistic because I mean, you never know how someone's going to react to a decision you made yep. or any or anything like that. Um, so, so yeah, it's uh, writing became like a coping mechanism for me, um, and then it became you know just something that I really enjoy because you know. As Neil Gaiman said, <laughs> uh, you know, when you're when you're writing and you're world building, you get to play God. You know, everything you want the world to be, you can make it that way. Yep. And I, all of your problems that you have on the outside, yeah, they don't matter. Yeah. You create the rules, you create the parameters, yeah, and stuff like that. Like you just dive into the world that you've created. And <clears throat> Neil Gaiman is also the author of um, Sandman, um, which is now being. Uh, adapted by Netflix, by the way. We've mentioned this previously. Gosh, Check it out. Wait. Read the book. It's going to be great. Have you, dude, have you, <laughs> have you listened to the Audible? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh my, like, I was listening to it on the way over here. Uh. Uh, <laughs> Neil Gaiman's voice. I'm like, I could... I oh, so he sub-narrates it? He sub-narrates it. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I definitely would check that out. And then, then uh, James McAvoy is Morpheus. And uh, I'm just like, man, this... I mean, for one, they're like, 
They're British. Yeah. It just it, it hits it, differently when like they, yeah. people they talk, man. It's like <laughs> you hear like us in America the way we talk, yeah. and then when they talk over there, it's like so such poetry. Yeah, man. We're just like ah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I so you talked a little bit about the book in itself. How how do you feel about the current level of writing across? Uh, obviously, the book medium as a whole. Um, whether that's comics or whether that's just like regular um, novels and things of that uh, things of that nature, and how do you feel about movie writing now? Because um, mm-hmm. obviously <clears throat> parts of it has changed, right? Yeah. Um, largely due to what people want to see. Yeah, yeah. And what people are, are consuming and things like that. Uh, books are always going to be something that you can. Yeah. You can do whatever, you know, it's just got, someone's got to pick it up and someone's got to want to publish it, right? So you can, you have way more free reign there. How do you, how do you, how do you feel about the the overall state of it though? Okay, so with comics, I mean, there's like a new comic coming out every day. Yeah, I mean, And not just like DC, Marvel. I mean, like, look at Image. Yep. And Boom Studios. And Boom, (laughs) yes. Those two, and even Dark Horse. Yep. Like, they're doing stuff that you know you don't see in marvel and in dc um don't tell i it's funny i'm <laughs> laughing because i i tell our friends mm. and me and another one of our, our buddies john who probably listened to this we, we we talk about this because the thing the thing we have an issue with this is the idea that people have been so bound to the idea that only dc and marvel can make good comics yeah and for the better part of the last 25 years, some of these smaller companies have made far more critically acclaimed and just objectively better written comics. I I, I feel like you look at Todd McFarlane with Spawn, Mm -hmm. that that thing is still going and it's over 300 issues and that's completely his baby. Yep. Started from scratch. It's it's literally, and the concept is very unlike anything that either one, either DC or Marvel can really sit there and say, you know, Hey, we've got something like this. Yeah. Like part of me wonders, I I mean, I, I think with writing, you should be able to write whatever you want, you know? Um, I do, I do kind of worry sometimes about like cancel culture, like, limiting people's voices mm-hmm. um but comics i mean i feel like more voices are coming up i mean you know people i mean you're no longer seeing just plain white guys reading or writing and drawing comics i yep. mean it's everybody's getting a voice and female the female population is definitely coming up yeah and, i mean and seeing some of the premises for these comics man like i'm like holy crap like that's more spellbounding than some of the stuff that like the male population in that genre and that yep. culture have come up with. Yep. Um, and then with books, I mean, I'd say the only thing I've never really been into has been like the Fifty Shades of Grey type crap. Yeah, like the the, the sexual yeah narrative. Well, type. like the fact that that was. Twitter or not Twitter, but Twilight fan fiction at first, and, then you, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, all right, <clears throat> I just I don't know. I mean, I know they made a lot of money, and there's some like lonely housewives, and maybe even you know males out there who are into that. But to me, like right now, I'm reading uh, Paul 
Tremblay, I think that's how you say his last name. Like, uh, it's a horror. He's he writes horror and stuff like that, or however the hell he say that. I can never pronounce it. Um, but uh, he's taking all these like old concepts of that genre and he's like twisting them and making them new. Like, like what exactly? <clears throat> well, I mean, like the book I'm reading now, it's called The Cabin at the End of the World. Yeah. It's a home invasion type novel, but I mean, for one. Uh, it's about a, it's about a, it's like I think it's from a kid's perspective so far. Oh yeah. And then uh, the parents are are homosexual. They're gay, and like you don't see that. Yeah. But he's using that. You, I mean, you you haven't really ever seen that. But now he adds that in there, and then you know it's taking on all these different like culture issues that you know. Not I wouldn't even say just as our country, but the world itself. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Like, it's definitely a global. It's a global <clears throat> thing now. I've been dealing with, and I'm like, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And then he's like, add new aspects, like another book of his. Um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but he's like poking at the whole exorcist thing, but it's also like he's adding mental health to it. Like, was the person really possessed, or were they suffering a mental breakdown from their? Yeah, they were just manic as so hell. He's like he's taking old horror and he's putting modern things. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, like Invisible Man. Was, yes, uh, that Elizabeth was, Moss yeah. was yeah, fire, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> like I was sitting there, like, cause I, I watched The Mummy with Tom Cruise, and you know, sometimes he should just not make a movie. Yeah, <laughs> and that was one of them. But uh, like that whole thing that they did with. Um, you know, the miserable man adding like the Me Too movement in yep. that, and then like giving, you know, t- tackling sexism and stuff like yeah. that. I was like, that is fucking fresh. Yeah, like, I'm like, that is. is awesome. You know, like I, I enjoy seeing stuff like that. Yeah, and it was also so simple yep. too. And I mean, that is why with film, I think Studio A24. We say this. We are big A twenty four fans. Oh my man. god! Like, I think I think that they are the best studio. Yeah. Currently making movies. Yeah. For the simple fact that nothing they make is this like massive, over the top, cliched blockbuster. Yeah. But what you know you're gonna get every single movie that they pop out is something fresh and a different look at how they examine even the most. Yeah. Original or you know the most basic of characters, yeah, character yeah. archetypes. So like, for example, they did uh, Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade is a coming of age movie mm. about a girl who's who's in eighth grade and she's about to go to high school for the first time. Yeah. They did it and they didn't give you all the shitty stereotypes about her like trying to like go out there and meet a guy and yeah. try to be accepted by a guy. Yeah. The entire most of that movie focused on her anxiety of trying to fit in, man. Yeah, yeah. And that's what eighth grade is about. Yeah. Eighth grade is all. It's always been about like, oh fuck, man. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, yeah. Are these people gonna accept me? Yeah. That's all. I mean, that was the whole movie. The whole movie was her trying to feel like she needed acceptance. Yeah. And they they threw in the fact that her parents and stuff like that had like a rocky relationship, mixed it in, and then she realized by the end of the film. She didn't need validation for anything. Yeah, just be yeah. yourself. Yeah, and yeah. you'll you'll find people that you fit in with. Yeah, it's a twenty four gets it though, man. It's yeah. it's it's fresh though, because like again, like you said, it's it's character driven, and they're not doing it to put you know people. They put people in the seats, but they put people in the seats by giving you characters that you can relate to. Yeah, like 
Adam Sandler's Uncut Gems. Fire. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> like, just two hours of like, anxiety, and I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Adam Sandler with, like, fake teeth. Yes. But, I mean. That Kevin was, Garnett. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith. Oh, dude, I love that guy. His movie, um, um, Sorry for Bothering Bother You. Oh, my God. He top, loved top, that movie. Top ten movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And um, Midsummer. Classic. Yeah. yeah like, I will show you something. All right. <laughs> oh, do, you, do you have the director's cut? Of, I do. I do. Of I Midsummer. Do. I have it right here. Yeah, we're throwing that on one. <laughs> oh my god! I have the entire <laughs> director's cut of Midsummer. It's, it comes in this sweet, super sexy uh, cover. I'm actually holding it right now. So they have the ending scene with the bear dying, or yeah. the, they, they, he got in the bear suit. Yeah. It's on fire. Yeah. The flip right here. I want people, and again, I've, I think I've said this before, but now that we're all here talking about it again, oh, I really so want people to understand your thoughts about Ari Aster and who he is as a director are like <laughs> completely invalidated because he got a forward by none other right here than Martin Scorsese. Oh my God, he is goaded, really? man! Like, <laughs> like no, you can't, you can't sit there and tell me that he's not doing something right in the film. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool, man. It's got like artwork and stuff from like a bunch of like Swedish uh, people. It's sick, man. It's really sick. And it's like concept art from the movie in itself. Yeah. Um, it's just dope. But like, like we said, A24, they get it. They they get it. Like he took Midsummer plus Hereditary and like, I didn't know what to expect with either one of those movies. I was expecting, you know, like typical... Just straight up horror, but with both of them, they're very. I, I like the slow burn. Yep. Yeah. You know, instead of like giving you everything at the at the very beginning, and then it's kind of like, well, how do I top that? You know, like it's just a progression. Yeah, I prefer a slow burn over a jump and, scare. And that's that's and for me, I'm starting to really pr- appreciate TV more than movies because like movies, you're encapsulated in terms like of a two hour time frame, but with TV shows, you know, like I still say. The best thing I ever saw Marvel do was Daredevil on Netflix. I think I, I think everyone's in agreement. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even admittedly so. I I remember you were like, man, I saw Ben Affleck, and I don't need to see Daredevil again. Yeah, <laughs> and I admittedly so. I'm not a big Daredevil guy. Yeah. Um. But now that I've seen the the I guess the pinnacle of what they done, what they what they can do movie wise with obviously Infinity War and Endgame and stuff, mm-hmm. and then all the way down to their like renewed focus on like TV shows with WandaVision and yeah. uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier, it's not even close. Yeah, Daredevil, yeah. it's like it's it's miles better. Yeah, like, it, and I just I just like the structure of these new TV shows that they're doing. Like, because yeah. I mean, I guess when I was growing up, all the TV shows were just flat, yeah. <laughs> except for you know Sopranos and The Wire. Yeah. Um, certifiable classics you know yeah, what I'm saying like yeah, yeah. <laughs> those will stand those will still be standing 50 years from now and we'll, we'll sit there and talk yeah, about them and I mean I think some of the greatest TV shows I've watched in the last couple of years uh, the first season of True Detective with Matthew McConaughey yeah. and William. Goated yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that I, I remember it was after your grad or no Will's graduation where yeah. we all got hammered and then yeah. we, like blackout drunk off of for like Fri- Japanese yeah, bourbon, like, yeah. For Friday and Saturday, and that Sunday, we did not come out of our rooms except to get food or go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> but I stayed in my my room 
like and watched that entire eight episode thing like during the, that whole day and I was just like I couldn't stop and I mean even now like I'm watching uh I mean Breaking Bad was good yeah. um that's a classic uh I the outsider that they did for Stephen King's yeah. book that was just amazing um and I just feel like I feel like with TV you're able to get more character development yeah and it's like I remember I think I, you and I discussed it like I feel like you know <clears throat> always had the idea for like a Batman TV show yeah um, I mean because for one he's got so many classic stories that you can bring to this to the screen yeah. but I feel like you can't really I feel like he'd be like all, all the superheroes I think would be better suited for TV yeah anyway. but we're ignoring Gotham yeah yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We're just gonna ignoring that existence. Well, yeah, we, like, we, but we, yeah. we've we've said this though. Yeah, we've said this on this podcast together. Yeah, and I know you and I have actually talked about this. Yeah. The idea of what makes comic book characters so dope and why we appreciate and why we love the comic books is the long form writing and ability to be able to have yeah. an arc. Yeah, so. Your fav- Tom King. Tom King is the best Batman run that I've had in the last whatever amount of years, right? Yeah. What makes it so great is you never feel like, okay, he's hurrying me up to finish yeah. his arc. Yeah. Because yeah. he was given the, the, the creative capacity to say, you've got this amount of issues. Now you can cultivate your story around this amount of issues. Yeah. You gave that man, what, 100 <clears throat> It was 85. It was 85. It was supposed to be, it, it supposed to be 100, they, they but it ends up, up. And they cut it off at 85, yeah. and then basically they split the rest of it into uh, Bat, Bat, uh, the Bat and Cat book that's out. Um, yeah. But you give a man 85 issues yeah. to tell an entire story, yeah. as opposed to you saying, all right, you got 10. Yeah. And if you basically do that 10, what takes you basically an entire 10 issues to set up you can't do that anymore. Yeah, and that's and literally, if you can you can flip that over and look at it in a movie perspective, that's no different. Than you sitting there saying, "All right, we're gonna give you Long Halloween as a story, right?" Yeah, but <laughs> we're gonna take out all these big aspects. Of you're it. gonna take out all the major aspects of it and really just give you the villain. Yeah, the major villain. We'll throw in some filler right there, some exposition, and then that's just it. Yeah, what makes Long Halloween so great is all the little <clears throat> minor details. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I prefer the director's cut of Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's just like Warner Brothers, they just need to back the fuck up. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I would agree. Yeah. They've I mean, also, they, they've, they've made some dumb decisions, and I think they're now trying to, like, course correct a lot yeah. of different things, and they're, like, project I mean, to project, they don't, like, it, it feels like that they're trying to do too much. But... Yeah. You're right, and yeah. as much as we we've talked about how much we've hated that movie, the 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 the, the extended cut was just a better yeah movie yeah structure wise structure wise off that alone yeah. you know well, what I'm saying? even like with Batman vs Superman I mean that extra thirty minutes added to the story yeah I mean yeah more breathing time we yeah. more breathing time you could see Clark investigating Batman yeah. and I mean that explained a lot more yeah. you know as to why you know he's like after Batman yeah and stuff like that it's just it, it yeah the long form is the way yeah but I think there's so much more it's so much easier for them to sell you on 
two and a half hours of seeing your favorite superhero or a superhero, yeah. you know, Well, fight. I mean, and also, I mean, well, with Marvel, I always said this, they're just trying to make it fun. And, you know, it, that's why I'm not big on Marvel is yeah. like they're trying to make it fun and pretty. Yeah. But also, every movie is built for the next movie yeah. and the next movie. Like, all these TV shows have been built for the next movie, yeah. not the next season. Yeah. yeah. Or not for just <clears throat> telling a story yeah. that focuses yeah. on that One character. One had a, you know, it was going interesting, and then it's like, oh, this is going into Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's yeah, a setup I mean, for Doctor Strange. I, I feel like, <laughs> I, I'm probably, I may be in the minority, but I really feel like that phase of Marvel should have ended at Infinity War. <clears throat> where Thanos won and just left. Because, I mean, to me, Endgame was just, you know, let's let's just get everybody together. I, I just Yeah, that yeah. was just like fan moments. Yeah. Three hours of And it. then, like, all of a sudden you see, uh, like, I forget, Pepper show up in a suit. Like, I know she was in Iron Man 3 in a suit, but still, like, I didn't even know she was fighting until, like, Tony was like, I let her in and snap his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, where'd she come from? And then Captain Marvel, who has the power to like just pretty much wipe, you know, Thanos out, shows up. I'm like, oh hey, we got this ship. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me hit this guy once and then fly away. <clears throat> I got a haircut too. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I appreciate um, TV more over movies. Um, I'm not, it's always funny it's like I, I will be willingly watch multiple episodes of a TV show than just yeah. watch a movie yeah yeah. because I, I like the, the development of where it's going like I'm, I'm really I'm speaking of comic books I'm watching The Boys on Amazon <laughs> like that is that is like the most hilarious thing I've ever seen but it's also like the storytelling so good and you know I love the deconstruction of the superhero genre yeah because I mean <clears throat> I mean, I feel like, why wouldn't a superhero like look down on regular humans anyway? That's like, why, yeah, Homelander's just like, I'm, I'm better than all of them. Yeah, stuff. like, that whole yeah. scene where they're on the, like, the, the fucking airplane and it's going down, and he's like, it's okay, everybody. And it's like, like the real, it's the most realistic <clears throat> look at heroes. People say, like, Batman versus Superman is, like, no, yeah. that's how superheroes would be. He's like, yeah, I'd be wasting my time to save you guys. Yeah. I'm gonna dip. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I hate Homelander, but I also love him because he's like so compelling. They, I think it's the writing that. Yeah, makes the writing's like so him. good, and you know that Seth Rogen. I think is Seth Rogen working on the boys. He's yeah, a, he's the producer. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I love Preacher, like his treatment of Preacher. That was yeah, I like I like Preacher. <clears throat> Preacher was good, um, but yeah, I think I feel like with writing, you know, if we stop, I think. If we stop focusing on, you know, just rushing through everything and just take our time, because I feel like that's a reflection of society. Like we're in this whole um, instant gratification mindset. You know, like, I want it now. Like with, with TV shows, I always see as soon as yeah. the show ends, our right, one's next season. It's like, yeah. Give them time because people yeah. want it every year on the dot. Yeah. I, like I feel bad for George R. R. Martin. Man. <laughs> Man. Like for one, that dude's like <laughs> close to death. He seems. <laughs> And, you know, and I, I just, I'm like, writing's hard, you know? It's yeah. like, I mean, I I really want to write a series, but I'm also kind of like, standalone is very good because, you know, it's op- it's it's very open and shut. Yeah. You can get in, get out. But, I mean, with him, I mean, even with Star, I mean, Star Wars, oh my God. Like, 
and it's like I feel like if something the longer something goes on, the more people hate it. And yeah, like their expectations are like, not nah, that's not what I wanted. That <laughs> the entire ending of Game of Thrones. That is literally yeah. we have said this for like two years now. I that is watched the, that. Yet. That is the yeah. entire issue that people have. Yeah, with the idea, with the idea of what Game of Thrones should have been, it was because there was no precedence for it. Yeah. So, D and D, they decided, eh, we're just gonna get, we're gonna, we're gonna give them an ending that we think logically fits, or it's yeah. fit how they, how their characters have gone yeah. over this entire five season arc or whatever. Yeah, I'll admit they did rush to it. It yeah. felt a little rushed the last yeah. few episodes. But it does make sense. Daenerys was the bad guy the entire time. But nobody liked that because she was the girl boss. character. (laughs) I was like, if you pay attention to the shit she's doing, if you watch her character development, this is the villain. Yep. But nobody paid attention to that. Yeah. It's it's probably the first mainstream show that, like, general audience who don't pay attention to storylines, they just... Pay attention to moments. Well, I feel like everybody was like, I just, they started watching, oh, who's going to get killed next? That's like, all they cared about. They made it such killed. a big thing. Yeah. Like, and the first thing is like, that wasn't even like a focal point on the show though. Yeah. yeah. The, that, the was people, just, that was just a thing. It like, was, yeah. Oh, hey, we killed your favorite character. Here's the story now. But it, yeah. it, it happened organically. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like O'Baron's death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. O'Baron's the best. It was, it was, like, it was I'll, organic within the, the context of what they were trying to do. I haven't finished the series yet, but I will forever be haunted by the Red Wedding. <laughs> that is a top. That is probably like a top five TV show scene yeah. of all time. Yeah. Because like if you, for me, I never read the books. I probably won't because I hate the discourse that surrounds the series now. Mm. Completely ruined me from the books. Yeah, won't won't do it. And also, I'm not a big fan of like super lore filled, uh, like fantasy sci-fi type of shit like you know like i have a i have a a max capacity for that and yeah. I, honestly i'm gonna be real with you it's dune dune is it yeah, what, yeah. after dune I, I can't i cannot consume anything that has like a shit ton of lore to it i'm sorry yeah, like it just it just I, I read too many comics on a day to, on like a week-to-week basis yeah to like mesh all of my brain and try to remember all that shit i can't <laughs> like, dude i uh, i picked up the first like the book of game of thrones and i was like it's too heavy. It's too heavy, dude. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it, it, the show like goes way different. Because I learned that there's like so much shit happening in the books. Yep. Like yeah. apparently there's another like Targaryen uh-huh. in the books. So it's like I couldn't read the books and then watch the show because yeah. I'd be watching. I'd be seeing two different storylines. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just too much. It's yeah, just, it'd be too much. Yeah, it's just too much. I'd be watching the show like, hey, where's this character? Oh, he doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like um, that's. Like Stephen King, I I have tried to read some of his stuff. It's just very hard because I mean, I feel like sometimes he, he I mean, he's a genius. He's changed the game. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not even gonna deny that. But I feel like his older stuff. Like I've heard his newer stuff is like he's toned it down a little bit. But his older stuff, it's like it took him. Like I was reading The Shining. I've I've not read that book yet. It's one of my favorite movies. But yeah, I've not read that book. but like the book, like it takes. Like I feel like you know the first couple chapters, he's just describing the office that <laughs> that Jack meets the guy in. Yeah. And like why you know like I get I like setting and kind of you know setting. atmospheric yeah atmospheric yeah, type of writing. I, I feel like you know 
to me, you don't really need to set, describe an office because like everybody who probably has picked up a book knows what an office looks like. It's, it's got walls. It's got a chair. You don't need to know like the the depth of the desk and like what color it is. Mm -hmm. Like to me, I'm like that's just you know, it's taking like does the desk have a part of the story? No. <laughs> and I mean that's just like this table. If I were to put this table in a book, I'd be like this table is white. And they sat at it. And Stephen King would write three pages. Like if you, he's like, it's yeah. off white. Yeah, yeah. There's a smudge in the in the center, <laughs> three diameter, three quarter di inch diameter from the left. Um, yeah, like that's the thing about my writing. I, like I'm my writing is very simplistic. Um, it's very straightforward. But that I, I guess that comes from like my my personality. No. Like I'm um, just. I, I guess and I, I, reading Chuck Palahniuk got me into that, I think, because his, like, Fight Club, I mean, that that book itself, I mean, even that movie are amazing. Like, of course, I, I told my dad the other day, because he's like, oh, the book's always better than the movie. I was like, I would say the only thing, the only book and movie that I think are just side-by-side -side amazing is Fight Club. I mean, Fight Club, the movie's great. I love how it attacks you know, consumerism and stuff. And the book, it's got, it's got more stories to it, but it's like, you know, I just, it, it, everything flows and his, his, it's very choppy, the, his style in that book, but everything, it just, you know, it flows. It's great. It's a great story. Um, yeah. I read a lot of his books, like as soon as I got out of high school and like that really shaped my writing style. Cause I'm like, I mean, that's how I am. I'm very, you know, I'm not a huge talker, and you know, I see, no. I see, a, I see things in a simple way. I'm like, that's that wall's a wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like, oh, it's cream colored with textures of such and such. And <laughs> it's been dipped in honey. Yeah. <laughs> I would ask you this then. Okay. Um, overall, um, now that you've gotten this, this the, the monumental first one out the way. Yeah. Are there there issues or things about the process um, and how you finished it that you want to clear up? And if so, um, what would you do going into the to an, to your next book or your next your next work? Oh. So I want to challenge myself because with this one I didn't really do research. Yeah, I just pulled from things I knew. Yeah, and like I know a lot of writers they write what they know, but. I want to, I really want to develop like a research regiment, I guess you could say, because uh -huh. I mean, I guess that's what's been so challenging about starting a next book. I'm like, what, what can I talk about? Because I mean, I wrote about the one thing that I know the most, most about. Yeah, 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 exactly. So now yeah, it's like, yeah. I've got to go out outside of my, my, yeah. my comfort, my comfort yeah. zone. So, I mean, I think that's. I think that's going to be challenging, but also good. Um, I mean, cause like I told you over the phone, like I have so many ideas daily. Yeah. I remember you. I mean, you had you had stuff saved on flash drives when we were in college. Yeah, like, and that was. Don't remind me how long ago it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, almost, I'm almost 34. Um, I mean, I'm 28 now. So when I met oh, you, I was 20. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, what, you know? Yeah, you're like, hey, can you go give me some beer? Yeah, like, sure. <laughs> I will do that. Uh, I hate a bit. It was fun being the old guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to get, we're probably going to get some flack 
from cancel culture now. Uh-huh. <laughs> like he was selling the miners. <laughs> it's all good, man. They'll be fine. Like if like he paid for it. So. Yeah, I did. You know, I, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd I'd say uh, like getting out of my comfort zone would be awesome. Um, learning how to do more research, um, because uh, that's what's been frustrating. Like nothing was really frustrating with the first one. Um, I did. I don't like editing. Like that gets annoying because I'm like, like I said, Chuck Palahniuk, like his style, you know, I don't say I mimic it because I, I have my own voice, but just the way his is so straightforward, yeah. I like that. And then when I have people like, oh, don't, you know, don't do this sentence that way. I'm like, it's, it's what's wrong with it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not writing like I talk. Um, I mean. Shout out to my friend Lance. Uh, <laughs> if you he ever heard, were to hear this, um, <laughs> I had to, you know, I had to get onto him because he would write papers, and he would start he would start everything out the way he talked. Yeah, and we're from the same place, and he's he's got that country. Twin. He does. I've I've <laughs> met I've met this Lance, and he's right. Yeah. He does. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like it's it's not that I write the way I speak. It's more you know just. I don't know, like the style of mine fits me so well and having someone tell me, you know, you can't do it that way. That's the thing about the writing industry, I guess. Like you always hear, oh, there's no real right or wrong way to do it. And then you do it and then someone's like, well, you shouldn't have done it this way. Yeah. Like I remember I had someone, like when I first started just a couple of years ago, like really getting into this, like I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do it. I had, I don't even remember the subject matter of the book. They're like, you can't do that. It's very taboo. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm like, you know, like, why can't this happen? Like, this is realistic. It wouldn't sell. I'm like, how do you know? I mean, like, there's some people who are in some freaky shit. I mean, I mean, it'd be like Eli Roth writing a novel. And like, he's got some of the goriest stuff and twisted stuff I mean and then someone also made a Serbian film I don't know if anyone's ever seen that heard of it no it's probably it's a good thing it's it's really bad yeah. it's like a it's like a horror movie um but it just some of the stuff in there that happens I'm like oh my god like me and my friend Stetson he, he bought it and they're like oh yeah you know it's really good horror movie and we had to stop watching it. I was like, I had to drink to finish it because it just like, just the stuff that they depicted in that, like, um, like there's no way I I, could, I couldn't write that myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I just, I I really don't think there is any wrong way to do it or any right way to write. Um, you do what you do what suits you. Know, yeah, suits yeah, you. and like I mean I don't feel now. I mean if I mean Stephen King. I mean all his books. A kid gets murdered, or several, <laughs> and no one says anything about that. So I don't really think there's, you know, if you really have something, you know, do it, do it tastefully. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, that's really all I can think about. Well, all you, all you, you know, aspiring writers and stuff out there, don't do it. <laughs> no, I feel like you know, I want to get to the point where, I, like, writing is all I do. That would be amazing. Yeah. Like, I would be okay with, you know, laying on my couch all day. And then, like, oh, I got a thought. Write it out. And then roll it back over. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's that now that I'm got the first one out, the second one, I really want to write a second one. Now it's when the real work begins. Yeah. Because it's like, find out what you want to write about. Why? And the why does that work? Why does that work? Why is that? You know, you're constantly trying to answer questions. And yeah. Everything. So. So yeah. Do you is it? Do you feel like it's a um. It's it's like a a competition thing within yourself, or is it just like I just want to. I want to diversify and push myself to see what I can do and how that how that is received. Like, like what what what's 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 your motivation going forward with this? Well, I think like with any writer, uh, I'm my own worst critic. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I feel like in this yeah. medium, you should be. Though. Yeah, but yeah, it's definitely. I mean, for me, it's definitely a competition with myself. But it's also like I, right now. I'm in this mindset where it's like, I mean, we're, it's 2021, no idea is original. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to tread the same water the same way. Oh. So if I'm going to tread it, I need to do it with like the utmost. Yeah. Pizzazz, you know? Yeah. It's like, if I were to take The Shining and try to do it my way, like, I don't want to do what Stephen King did, you know, as uh, the guy who, I can't, hold on, I pronounce his name, the guy who wrote uh, True Detective, Nick. I think it's his first name. I don't remember how you say his last name. I'm about to go look it up just so he's a lotto or something, something, you know, Italian or something. <laughs> but he said, he's like, don't try to write like these people. The world already, ha- world already has yeah, them. Yeah, Pizzolatto. Yep. Yeah, the world already has them. Write you. So, I mean, we're all going to be influenced and stuff. I just, you know, I don't want to. And I don't want to give something that's already been out there, like like Midsummer, like that's a horror movie. Like you've seen yeah. stuff like that before, but they did it in such a fresh way. It's like so. It's basically me competing with not only myself but other people, and trying to be fresh. And you know that's why I try to think of new ways to um, approach stories and things like that. Because like you know we all tell stories in some way yeah. or fashion, and you know. Like, someone's probably opened their door to see their new roommate shirtless. Yeah. Know? But, you know, no one can tell the way I did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and vice versa, for that matter. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. no, no, no one will understand and, and be able to conceptualize that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I Nick is, uh, Nick is he's, he's been working on a lot of different things, and we've been trying to get into... Um, you know, starting a production company and things of that nature, man. And I think that he and I both are trying to figure, we, we talked about this yesterday, ironically enough, we were uh, on our way to the store. Yeah. And Nick, Nick and I basically said that, like, this is exactly what's going on with our country is, so if you want to get into TV, film, whatever right now, mm. a lot of what you're doing is is you're trying to figure out the most like slightly deviated version of something that's probably already been done. Yeah. 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 You know, because it's so hard to just sell something new. People want to see something they're familiar with. And if it's something different, they're like, Oh, okay. It's interesting. But if you try something new, they're just like, this is too weird. This is too different. And then if you try to go mainstream, then it just, just, it just gets lost. Yeah. They'll just tell you that you're just copying X person, X person, X person, That's X person. Uh, it's yeah. hard to find your own your own niche. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't really find your... You don't have a voice anymore. That's a... Uh, <laughs> there was this movie that came out... I uh, can't remember when, but it was called The Counselor with Michael Fassbender. 
I think I've heard, yeah. Yeah. I've heard of that. It, uh, it got crapped on because it was so philosophical and so different. But then somebody, a critic, said that, you know, people are going to revisit this movie in year, a few years and be like, this is this is what's been missing from cinema. Like, it's daring. It's different. And, like, I feel like people don't want to be different. You know, they say they do, but then they, they don't. And I don't, like, I, I want to be different, like, with my with my writing. Like, yeah. That's, like, I won't write anything if it's not different. If I feel like it's getting too similar, I'm like, nope, you know, it's... Start over. So yeah, I'm I'm writing three different things right now that yeah. all is different, and every yeah. time like I, I get to a certain point, I was like, this is too similar to this. Yeah, I just go back and I completely just change how the whole vibe of it is. Yeah, yeah. So, so like I mean, I've started what what could be a sequel to Dark Fever, and yeah. it's already different than what was in that book. Of course, I take aspects of it to play on what happened but it's still different still going it's a different direction while keeping with the, the spirit of the original i think or the, the book so so yeah um and i mean i have ideas like i really want to write like i told brian i want to do something like with superheroes uh you know keeping with mental illness that sort of thing and our physical or physical limitations um and even like i've always i enjoy crime novel or novels and movies and stuff like that i like to do a different spin on that too so but we'll see we'll see what happens i'm only 33 <laughs> yeah i mean writing is one of those things where you, you don't really He's, have like stan a, lee didn't start to his 40s uh-huh. yeah yeah you have yeah. 10 years on him yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like old stan i'll ask you this then what are your what is your all-time favorite book what is a book that everyone talks about that you are not necessarily as big of a fan of and yeah i would like to hear i want to hear from someone who okay who is um, big into is big into reading I, i'm definitely not no, nearly as big into novels and stuff like i yeah. once was when i was younger but i have to say my all-time favorite book is probably um Fight Club, just because I can pick that up at any time. And, and just reread it. And yeah. just dive right in. Um, I guess for that genre, um, I'd say another book that's an all-time favorite, science fiction-wise, would be The Giver by Lois Lowry. Yep. Or, um, Definitely read that. Or uh, Fahrenheit 451. I like Fahrenheit 451 because when it was written, I felt like looking at our world now, like it, tell, it talked about it. Yeah, it's much, like they, they were getting rid of books and everything was replaced by technology. Yeah. Everybody was finding their feelings within technology. Yeah. So I thought that was badass. Um, Crime-wise, uh, I had to have, there's a there's a writer that I've I found um, that lives in Whittier, uh, North Carolina. Wow, like not too that's long. not too far away. Yeah, not too far from where we went to school. Yeah, uh, David Joy. Um, I've read all four of his books and they're all crime, but they're also just very realistic and speaks to me because you know I'm from the area yeah like and everything so I think those are good I'd say um the one of his that I like the most uh, which one was it uh I've read all three of them I have to look at the cover <laughs> uh, not all three but all four um I'd say the line that held us is probably my favorite 
like that. One of the, so I feel like I've heard him, and I feel like one of his move, one of his books, did one of his uh, his books get adopted to like a a TV show or something like that? No. Um, um, Ron Rash, a professor at Western, he's a writer. Um, he's had some of his books pub- or adapted to movies. Really? I think uh, Bradley Cooper and um, Jennifer Lawrence did one. Yeah. The movie wasn't that great. Yeah. But the book was good. Yeah. <laughs> There's always that disconnect sometimes, man. Yeah. Where you, where you're, a great book gets adapted and... Yeah. I mean, they did the best of what they could, but I mean, sometimes you can't... The person who tries to adapt it doesn't do it very well. He's going to New Orleans. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. I've I've got like one more question for you, and then I'm going to ask you something that is completely off the beat. Well, let me answer your other question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I would. Okay. Fifty Shades of Grey. That whole series. Just absolutely just. No. Take it. Toss it in the trash. My my sister was reading it uh, while you and I were doormates. I was home for Christmas, and I found it. She was young and impressionable at the time, too, oh, which God. makes it even worse. I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> but I, I, I started reading some of it, and I was like, what? Why? What yeah. is this? <laughs> and then I found out that it was originally Twilight fan fiction, too, and I was like, so, yeah, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I said a lot of worse things about it. But yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. As you should have. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. Like that, it like the whole story just seems. It's like how many how many ways can I write some freaky kinky sex stuff that'll probably never happen to me? Yeah, you know. So, uh, but yeah, that's probably one I would not recommend. That that is whole genre in itself. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm gonna ask you this then. This is my last question, and we'll All get ready to wrap this thing up. What is your, what is the one movie, one movie, not book. But the one movie that you think is exceptionally written that most people probably don't talk about the writing for it. Oh God. Um, I have a couple that I would probably suggest. Yeah. Um, what do but, you think? Let's hear it. Why? So for me, I'm gonna say this, and it's it's gonna sound ridiculous, like utterly ridiculous. I truly, truly, truly think that I think. Pulp Fiction, the dialogue in Pulp Fiction, not the not the not the storyline and stuff like that, just yeah. the absolute dialogue yeah. and what it's trying to convey, mm-hmm. the messages and things like that. I think it is one of the best films of all time, largely because it balances basically soft and you know almost meaningless dialogue and effortlessly weaves it into basically telling all these stories about all these various different characters mm-hmm. that eventually come to intersect and stuff like that. Mm. I don't necessarily think that, you know, the dialogue itself is some masterclass, but I think how it's all put together mm-hmm. makes it just that much better. Um, and then furthermore, I would probably, as much as I hate it, and I talk about it all the time, <laughs> how much I hate it, yeah. I think that The Godfather mm. is a yeah. great greatly written movie it's boring as fuck which yeah. is why i hate it yeah. <laughs> it's exactly it's yeah. exactly why i hate the godfather because it's boring mm. but it's written so well yeah oh man <sighs> nick if you have a, if you have yeah. one you want to ask i was thinking like i was gonna say pulp fiction yeah. 
the dialogue in Pulp Fiction, the dialogue in all of Tarantino movies just feels so real. It's yep. things people would actually say. Yeah, and, this, and this given those circumstances. Movies, it's like, yeah. yeah, this is written dialogue. But that, but I was thinking of the movie Her. Is that the the, the, the Walking Phoenix, Phoenix movie? Yeah. Yeah. That, the, the writing in that is like the silent moments, you feel the, the anxiety and just the depressed, the depression. Yeah. It's, it's, Someone who has been hurt, which if you, um, the writer, uh, it, Spike Jones, yeah, he you know he wrote that while going through a divorce. He's like, you feel that in the movie. I did not know that. You like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Either. Yeah, you feel someone was hurt while writing this. And Walking Phoenix, you know, his performance in that is just is what puts it at the top. Um, I would also the real quick. I'm gonna throw in the, <laughs> the Truman Show again. Oh, I don't know what it is. Jim Jim Carrey. Is like eternally slept on, and I think everyone only sees him as a comedian. But between those two movies, mm-hmm. that they, you know, the Truman Show and then Eternal yeah, uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, the motherfucker is talented as hell. Yeah. Yes, he's just also funny. He's just funny. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's a matter of what sells more. Yeah, being funny. Comedy. Yeah, <laughs> like being funny sells more. But the Truman Show is incredibly well written, and then if you take in the context of the 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 actual plot to the story, it just makes the dialogue even better. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like the guy, he's talking to himself like most of the movie under the guise that he's living in a real world. Yeah, even though everything that he know he's always known. Yeah, is is it's been it's been fabricated. Um, I would say, I mean, a movie that really resonated with me was um, and it came out recently was uh, Manchester by the Sea. Really? With Casey Affleck? Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked the writing in that. Like, and, I mean, for one, the writing was good. Everything was realistic. Um, I mean, of course, Casey Affleck's acting was superb. I mean, even if he didn't win an Oscar for it. Like, yeah. Like, you could see his, how he just, you know, he was alive, but not alive. And, like, that moment, did you, have you seen it? I saw, I saw most of it, and I think I fell asleep on it. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the last, I think it was the last scene between him and uh, Michelle Williams. Nah, yeah, I didn't see this uh, one. Yeah. dude, like that. Now you, now I gotta go watch it, like, yeah. objectively. We'll probably, let's just watch it while we're here. Right <laughs> here. <laughs> that, and uh, another movie that always had great writing was uh, Good Will Hunting. Yes, yeah. classic. That yeah. is that is very much Alec so. Like and Damon. Yeah, yeah, man. Robin fucking Williams was amazing. Again, another, uh, another comic, another yeah. comedian type that... You, you well, give him the room yeah, to grow. He's actually the one I think who said it. It's like comedy and like depression are so close together. Yep. Yep. That's why comedic actors are able to play those types of The line is so thin. Is cause, like, and a lot of it is self-deprecating. Yeah, they exactly. They use humor as a coping mechanism. Yeah, it's a yeah. self-deprecating uh, you know, mechanism. But I'd say a movie that doesn't really get talked enough, about enough, but the writing's good. Speaking of Robin Williams and Christopher Nolan, Insomnia. Yeah. With Al Pacino. Yeah. yeah. God. And, and if we're going to, I would even throw on the top of that, our friend Troy, um, he he agrees with you on this. I think Memento is the best Christopher Nolan film that isn't a thousand dollar, you know, yeah, or I say thousand dollar, like a super hundred million dollar blockbuster God type cares. of film. Memento is insane, and I watched this after I had seen all of his. I think this was prior to him making what, what was it, Dunkirk? Yeah. Yeah. I saw it prior to him making Dunkirk, and I was like, "This is the same guy that made yeah. the Interstellar and the Dark Knight." Yeah. I, 
it's crazy because like it is so, and I mean Inception for that matter too. Memento is so far off that beaten path of those movies, mm-hmm. and the, and how he structures them, how they're written, even just how they're shot. Yeah, the fragmented storytelling. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, like, you have to give a lot of the credit to his brother. His brother writes. Oh, it was it Jonathan who did that? His brother writes yeah. the stories. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan is incredible, which is why Westworld. you and I we love Westworld. Like it's it's really good. Westworld's best best trait is its writing. Yeah. I mean the building in that. Yeah, it's. Insane. I have not seen that, but I've heard so many good things. I need to. You should definitely. So, you should probably check it out. the The first season is one of those things, and Nick that's and, a slow burn season. Yeah, that's me and Nick, burn. me and Nick talked about that when because we, we were already hyped about it anyway, and then yeah. I could tell that Nick and I probably liked it more than anyone else in like our our circle, but. Mm-hmm. It is a thousand percent a slow burn. So you're gonna watch a couple episodes, yeah. and you're gonna walk away and be like, "What's happening?" <laughs> but then the last three episodes are like, "What's happening?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? It's re- it's really good. I the love se- that. The second season then comes it, it comes back. Yeah. And the writing, I wouldn't necessarily say it's loose. The writing, it, it, it has memento kind of aspects. In the yeah. Second season because of the the whole Aaron. The, um, the, it's the Aaron Paul, the Air Paul vibes. No, that's that's season three. Season that's two, right. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Season two is with Bernard. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. All mm. that. <laughs> it's not in order. I'll just say that. Isn't Kid Cudi in that show? In the in season, season three. three. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, which is another reason why you should watch it. Kid Cudi actually plays a significant part in this season too. He does, you don't really see him as acting. Yeah. Um, but his character means a lot to one of the main characters. Yeah. In season and, and three. it's kind of back to our original topic. It's a fucked up form of therapy. Yes. The way his character plays in with Aaron Pauls. Yep. Kid Cudi, he's, he's, he's definitely come a long way in terms of acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his, his career. He has a TV show coming soon, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does, yeah. yeah. Nice. And he's got the animated thing with Kim and Kanye, which I, I didn't... <laughs> that I will watch. Oh, man. I can only imagine. Oh, man. Oh, man. Because it's their, um, it's their characters that... Yeah, uh, the bear from graduation. Shouldn't, yeah, and then uh, Cuddy's, uh, isn't it a fox? It's a fox, yeah. Yeah, so that's gonna be fun to watch. And then basically just like on a buddy cop type of type of vibe, just going through adventures. So, um, oh, but that's God. that. I mean, that's 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 excellent, man. I'm glad. I, I wanted to put you on another show because you like you know psychological yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, have you ever watched Hannibal? No, I really want that. To. If you want to watch, that. if you want to watch a character development show, yeah. But, and also a fucked up show. Yeah, you should watch that. Uh, how do you say that? Meek, Mad Nicholson, dude. That dude, uh, premium actor. What an actor. Top of the top. Watch another round as well because he was. I, I need to see that. that. I need to I watch need to that. See that. Yeah. yeah, it's that I watched it mm, probably what a week and a half ago before, literally like three days before the Oscars came out. Yeah. Um, but another round. I've heard that's amazing too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good uh, stuff. But yeah, I've heard. Uh, because, I mean, I liked Sons of the Lambs, like, the original. Like, I didn't watch... I've watched the sequels, but nothing tops that one. I um, just, uh... Real quick before you, <laughs> okay. you go on your Sons of the Lambs dialogue, I want to I want to make it known, the <clears throat> writer who wrote the screenplay of Sons of the Lambs, he graduated from my high school. Shout out to him. Nice. Really fucking cool, dude. Like, nice. when I found that out, I was like, what? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite movies of all time. In the book in itself. Shout out to Anthony Hopkins for getting his second Oscar yeah. last weekend. I feel like we need we'll have to talk about that 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 uh that Oscar at a later date. But I, I'm people are gonna be upset with him about it. 
And I don't think it's fair. I've not seen The Father yet. I would like to. I've watched some scenes. It's well-deserved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he plays... Yeah. He plays. A, he, it's an old dude playing a, an Alzheimer's patient. But, like, the issue that people have with him winning that isn't... It shouldn't even be with him. Yeah. It's not it should fault. be with... It should be with the Academy. I'm, I don't think Anthony Hopkins probably even cares. He was he's asleep in, when he won. Yeah. yeah. Dude, he does so... He's done so much shit in his lifetime. Yeah. He's won so many awards... Him winning the Oscar, it probably doesn't mean anything to him right now. Yeah. And I guarantee he probably wouldn't care if they gave it to Chad, Chadwick. Yeah. yeah. So, your issues really should be with the Academy for not putting Chadwick there and giving <laughs> him the award. Yeah. Like, it's not... I... Well, that's my thing. Like, <laughs> hatred gets pointed to the person who won a lot. And I'm like, I mean, Anthony Hopkins had no idea he was winning. You know. Like he said, he was sleep. Yeah, yeah. They didn't follow, you know, the usual, like, the Golden Globe winner, the SAG winner, they go and win the Oscar. He didn't win any he of those. He didn't win anything. So when he woke up, like, oh, hey, you won the Oscar? He's like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a weird, it's a weird precedent, man, but. Twitter. That, that's the way life works, man. That, that yeah. pretty much sums up, like, 90% of a Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter said no, that, that's just Somebody it. was, like, who said something before they thought about it, really. Yeah. I didn't, like, look at it. Because nobody... Anymore, man. Nobody looks at it from like the big picture. It's like tunnel-minded shit. It's like, oh well, here we go. You know, it's just it's, it's stupid. So yeah, I uh, I appreciate you, man. I just want to send a hearty thank you for you uh, taking the time out of your busy Saturday one to come down here, but then two to hop on here, chat it up with us. Um, we greatly appreciate it. Um, I'm very happy to be here, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's been a long time coming, um, but I'm I'm glad that we were able to sit there and talk about everything, everything, yeah. a lot of a lot of the things that, especially obviously, you know, this book and mm-hmm. um, you guys should go check it out. Um, it is called Dark Fever. Um, it is out now, available. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, all the Barnes all the Noble, all that good stuff, all the e services. Yeah, it's like if you don't want to read it. I'll just take your money. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you could just buy it and then literally yeah. just, you know. Burn it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I appreciate it. Um, I've told you for years that I'm very proud of you with all you've done. And this podcast is awesome. And I'm proud of you for that. And, you know, as I get older, I'll, I'll still be proud of you, especially if you get this production company. Going. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I We certainly appreciate it, man. And yeah. uh, None of it's going to be possible. And, and if we get it going, you'll be the first person we call to sit there and we can have a, have a meeting and see if we can write something that, that'll 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 get some sort of studio to say, you know what, let's back them. And let's, A24. Let's, yeah, man, please. <laughs> God. Lord knows I, I we me and Nick would be dying. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know they'll let us do everything. So. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, we have a segment on here though. We as before we we get ready to wrap it up, uh, we like to go around, um, give two parting thoughts. Um, you got basically you know two options to basically uh, tell folks whatever you want to tell them. It could be about any and everything. Um, so you are the guest, so I'll pass it to you. Okay. Uh, give the people two parting thoughts. Um, I'd say with the way the world is. You know, stop being tunnel-minded. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Open your mind. See that not everybody's going to be like you, the way you want it to be, because the world's going to keep turning with or without you. Um, and shit. 
<laughs> if you have to. <laughs> um, I would say that and, you know, and, and find something you're passionate about and don't give up, even if that does sound cliche. Don't give up on it. That's, I didn't give up on getting a book published. Even if I don't ever get another one published, I did this. And I... And it's, it's a dream. It's really a dream come true, you know. Whether it sells or not, I did it, and I couldn't be prouder. So find something you're passionate about and stick with it. See it through. Don't stop till you see it through. Nicholas. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first one, uh, since, you know, a big topic for this episode was mental health, you know, the, the old check on your friends. I, I feel like everyone says it, but no one really does it. So, like, it's having Bryant in my life, you know, he checks up on me and I have mental health issues. And it's it's probably changed my life more than if he if I didn't have him. Yeah. And my second is, uh, I guess a continuation of that is just be kind to, like, anyone. Because one, we were, me and Brian were talking about this last night, one act of kindness can spread you know they go and they go not be nice to someone that person goes nice to other people and it's just it's a continuation thing just be nice and feel like hate and animosity spread so can love yeah and good spirits but hate's just i guess easier to do but yeah if we yeah. change it around you never know what happens yeah nothing's gonna change unless you actually work for it <laughs> yeah so right get off your damn phone Brent. Uh, honestly, I'm over here tracking the NFL draft. Uh, for me, uh, I just want to say my first, I guess, parting thought is I just want to say thank you um, to to my buddy Josh. Um, more than I guess, more more than anything, largely because when I was a young 19, 20 year old, um, we met, and for you know, for someone like myself, it was it was cool to be able to have someone that was a little bit older and. Um, someone that you can you can talk to, and someone that gives you a little bit of wisdom at a time in your life where you feel like you need to reject anyone that's older you's opinion of anything, um, even your parents. And so, it it, it it the the messages, the the information, all the different things that uh, you gave me at that point in time have definitely resonated, and um, I definitely became a better a better man before you know because of it. So. Um, I just want to say thank you, and I appreciate you for you know taking the time again out of your day to to come down here and, and, and kick it with us and do this for us. Lastly, my my second part of thought, and most importantly, uh, dog, just be better, man. Like as humans, like we, I feel, and Nick, you know, Nick could talk about something we had talked about last night, and um, it's still kind of sitting on my brain. Like there are so many things that people can do on a day-to-day basis and to better improve the lives of the people around them. But if you do it with love and, you know, you know, cheerfulness and stuff like that, and you don't do it with the, the, the expectation that it's going to come back to you as karma and you'll get goodwill out of it, just remember why you're doing it. Yeah, man, do it. Do it for the right reasons. Do it because you want to do it, not because you think that it's gonna net you some, some, some good energy on the on the flip side, man. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you when you do if you do things, on the circumstance that you're gonna get something out of it, 
more often than not, it's not gonna find you. You 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 do good deeds and you and you're a nice person and you do acts for people because you want to do acts for that person because you just want to, you know? Yep. You're just you know, like seeing someone help see someone else happy makes you happy. You don't think that okay, you know what? Two weeks from now, someone is going to be able to help me out when I need something. You don't do it because of that. You just do it because you want to see, you know what? Hey, this person is struggling right now. I remember when I was down right there. You know what? So I'm going to, I feel I am obligated to pay it forward to them. Just be better. <clears throat> you know, do something nice for for strangers, man. I mean, yeah. you really you really just never know what, you, what you're helping them um, do and how far you can basically bring them out of a, a funk and, how you know how well you're and how positive you're impacting their life. So um, I, that's probably my 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 parting thoughts. I would sit there and say, also, you guys uh, follow us at Cruise Clout. That's at C R E W S C L O U T on Twitter. Um, you like, subscribe, rate this five stars. We're applicable, um, specifically on Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify. And you can find it on SoundCloud as well. Um, Mr. Severin, where can the good folks find you at? Uh, I have a Twitter. <laughs> and I am at... What am I at? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, uh, let me pull my handy-dandy phone up and I will look. I am at... At Jonah Severin. Yeah, that's the pin name, as I as I said earlier. Uh, yeah, it's capital J, then the rest is lowercase, then for Jonah, and then capital S E V E R I N. For those of you who've never heard that middle name before, um, and I'm also on Instagram, and good Lord knows what that's under. Uh, I'm not a tech person. Uh, that's at J Severin eighty seven. You can find me there. I'm basically just books stuff. So. Thank you guys for, for those of you who listen to these guys, these dudes got a bright future, I think, um, and continue to support them, and I'll take a little bit of support too if you want, uh, so. Hey man, <laughs> I, I tell Nick this all the time, it is not fun unless all the homies get on, man. Yeah. That is my motto, I stick to it, um, I operate based on that, like, yeah. if I'm winning, I'm gonna try to figure out everything in my power to help, um. The people around me, people that yeah. I know who helped me out, and, and people that I know are good, wholesome folks. Uh, as get soon on, as this so drops, I'm, man, I'm gonna be like, "Hey, publisher." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. So, you know, that's just that's just how we operate. But with that being said, folks, um, you know where to find Nick. Um, you know where to find me. Obviously, if you're a consistent listener, um, if you're not, then please feel free to go listen to our other podcasts. Um, but with that being said, guys, this has been. Episode 39 of the Cruising Cloud Podcast. I'm Cruz. And I'm Cloud. And we are signing out.